Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing today out there in podcast land? Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Al the Brewer, and I'm so glad you are listening today. On today's episode, I got to talk to Nicholas from Texmalt. I am so excited to share this episode with you. Uh, I'm going to give you details on that in just a second, but a couple of house cleaning duties right now. First and foremost, Thank you to every one of you that has written a review on iTunes. I had a flood of them come in recently. I'm so thankful for that. Um, At this point, I think I'm sitting on like 20 reviews. Um, And if you are someone that wrote a review for me, thank you, thank you, thank you again. If you haven't written me a review, would you mind just taking the time to do that on the iTunes? Because it really helps this podcast stand out from the crowd. It's just one of those small things that you can do to just say, hey, I appreciate you or thank you. Um, Yeah, uh, help me out. Uh, If you're liking this podcast, if you don't like this podcast, leave me a review anyways. This way I know kind of what to do, what to fix. Um, But really, thank you to everybody who's been um, leaving reviews on the iTunes. I really, really appreciate you. Um, Second off, uh, let's see, what does my notes say? Oh, follow me. That's right. Follow me on all of the social medias. I just hit like 1,300 followers on Instagram, which I still can't believe. Um, on my way up, going more and more on that. Um, but you can find me on all the social medias. I'm most active on Instagram. And I've actually been stepping up my untapped game at Al the Brewer as well. I'm, I'm kind of determined this year to record every beer that I drink. And I've been doing like a 90%, 85% good job at that. So my ho- my goal is to... to every every beer that i drink do a little review and rate on the untaps but we'll see how that goes i i'm doing all right but follow me there as well um also if you're getting anything out of this podcast if you're a first time listening thank you if you're a long time listener thank you as well if you're getting anything from my podcast if you're finding anything of value would you uh consider supporting me on patreon i have uh, i simplified it i've got one tier it's really easy peasy um, you know, patreon.com slash, uh, I know nothing about beer. <laughs> That's what it's called. Um, but please go there, check it out. I've got some really fun perks and I'm really looking forward to doing some fun things with supporters this year. All right, back to business. Here we go. Nicholas from tech Malt in beautiful Fort Worth. Actually, it's really like it's downtown Fort Worth. I had no idea that it was even where it was. Um, when we were talking about it in the interview, um, I've always wanted to talk to somebody that is from a malt house uh they're called maltsters um i malt is one of those things that gets kind of left in the dust i think in the beer world we talk a lot about you know hops especially right now with you know the the tropical ipas and all this other fun stuff then you have yeast because i mean it's yeast it's the thing that makes everything happen and i get why those two other superstars but malt is the 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 redheaded stepchild i think of the no that'd be water water's a redheaded stepchild and i would love to talk to a water scientist out there but malt gets such like that cousin in the back of the corner that isn't really cool but knows a lot of stuff 
that is who Malt is. And um, to talk to Nicholas and to learn from him, ask my questions, it was just such a blast. Nicholas, uh, gentleman, a scholar, and a delight to talk to. And I think you'll see that through this episode. So if you ever want to take a deeper dive into malt, um, the malting process, what it means for brewers and distillers, this is such a good episode to listen to. All right, that is about it. Ooh, thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking with me through this little introduction. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Have yourself a good rest of the day, morning, noon, or night, whenever this may pod, whenever this podcast may find you. And cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm so glad you are here. I have Nick from Texmalt. How in the world are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Boss, it's so good to have you. So this podcast is a beer education podcast, and I can't wait to talk your head off about Texas malt and malt in general. Um, I am not a native Texan, and I, but I do love all things local. And I mm-hmm. don't know if you guys are like one or one of just a few um, and I, I wanted to ask about this, How do, whether you say you're a malting house, a malt house, a maltery, I don't know the right, correct terminology. So uh, I've got so many questions for you because this is the first time I've talked to somebody that has direct relation to like malting um, that yeah. isn't like a home brewer or a brewer or something like that, you know? Yeah, gotcha. So um, we we call our facility it's our malt house. That's malt kind house, okay. of the yeah, that's the terminology that we usually go with. Um, and the guys who work there, we're all maltsters. That's kind of okay. our, our title. I, yeah. And so. I knew I knew about a maltster, but I just didn't know what to call like the the facility, the place. So malt. Yeah. House. Okay. Yeah, no, gotcha. Yeah. No worries. Awesome. Well, Nick, man, I am so glad you were here. I am so excited. I've got so many questions for you. But I start Ooh. every podcast the same way. Um, how did you? Uh, like, what is your personal history in the craft beer? And then, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, while I was in college, I picked up a side job working in the kitchen at former the former brewery Chimera. Oh, uh, yeah. Magnet. Yeah. So I was working in the kitchen there mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit. And then after I graduated, I had some plans change and ended up uh, going back to work there. But it was no longer Chimera. It was Fort. Yep. And so when I was working in the kitchen at Fort, I uh, started getting really into like craft beer and, the, you know, watching the brewers do everything, you know, really got my mind going. And so uh, one day when I was working, uh, Chase and Austin, the owners of Texmalt, they uh, came into Fort for lunch and started mm-hmm. chatting up one of the bartenders. And uh, next thing I knew, I was applying for a job nice. and started. Yeah. And started working at uh, Texmalt part time. Um, ended up uh, quitting the kitchen because I figured that's not what I wanted to do and started working <laughs> over at uh, Cow. Yeah, I know. I uh, finished. I uh, went over to Cowtown Brewing uh, right when they were open uh, yep. or opening and mm-hmm. started working there behind the bar. And so I was kind of splitting time between Cowtown and Tex Malt doing. Um, we were doing floor malting at the time, so you know raking grains, steeping in yeah, all yeah. the. All the true, you know, malt, malting stuff, and uh, ended up uh, enjoying it a lot. They offered me a full time position, and you know, here I am, a year and a half later. Um, so, probably have like two and a half years working in the industry, or three and a half years now. Okay, and I've uh, been at Texmalt for you know a good good part of that. Gotcha. I have a feeling you have served me a, a pint at least once because. 
or I've eaten food that you have made because I used to go to Chimera, now Fort, <laughs> and now it'll be going off to someplace else. Um, yeah. And then I uh, live um, in North Fort Worth, North Fort Worth area, and I've been to Cowtown like right as it opened, and then it's still yeah. one of those places I'll, I'll I'll get to every once in a while. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah no, man. I, I, so good chance I probably cooked your food and served you a beer. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm. By the way, I am having a um, what is this? The Stario Bros from False Idol. Man, that's a great pilsner. If um, I, I, we yeah. we chatted a little bit ahead of time. Stuff. Uh, that you guys are doing, you're, you're at least you are doing a little dry January, which amen to. Yeah, personally, yeah, no, I'm I'm the only guy at work. Um, nothing nothing against them. I just uh, personal choice this year. Yeah, no, no, and amen. I'm all about people deciding <laughs> like they're not going to drink. Yes, that is a mm -hmm. great decision. Um, but when you you know uh, February first, pick up some of this. Oh, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, I think False Idols putting out some really good stuff right now. Yeah. Um. Okay, so um, you 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 talked about a little bit how you got into the company, um, but uh, like, what's your relationship to craft beer? How long have you been into craft beer? Um, oh man, probably. I mean, I, I drank craft beer when I was in college, just mm -hmm. because it, it, it beat you know drinking Bud Light and Natty Light every day. Um, but I didn't really start like diving into it until I was uh, working at Cowtown. They actually. Uh, helped us get the uh, Cicerone level one the the certified, certified beer, beer server. Yeah. And so, you know, diving into that, you know, I've got, I've got a science background from college. And so, you know, diving okay. into the nuances of, you know, what goes into beer and making all the different styles, you know, that really jived with, you know, just how I thought. And so mm -hmm. really started getting into it and diving into it a little bit more and, you know, figuring out the difference, you know, different varieties of hops and different kinds of malts that go into it, just all that stuff. It really, uh, really enjoy that stuff so that's I, I would say probably two and a half years ago is when i really got into craft beer okay wow so you're you're you know not not a newbie to the scene but like you're that uh, yeah definitely relatively new definitely. yeah relatively new to the scene gotcha okay so let's talk about the malt house uh the maltsters your part in all of it um mm -hmm. texas malt you guys are where are you guys located at um so we're in the near south side we're right off of um 35 and uh and 30 kind of that intersection it's it's the south freeway like kind of off-ramp okay area I, so uh but yeah we're, we're near south side we're at the ob macaroni building um, oh my goodness space. yeah that is yeah that, so, yeah i've passed by that so many times mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of people are surprised to hear that we're in there but uh, we share the space with a couple other um places and so we're thinking about uh, expanding here in the near future just as uh you know demand drives it mm -hmm. yeah so it's uh yeah it's a good time nice and so um what is done there because i'm guessing that there's not these hidden fields of grain nearby no uh, no so yeah so, <laughs> so like we, are we, you guys actually growing the grain are you buying it from another uh you know farm uh, explain to me the process yeah, so uh, we don't grow any of the grains ourselves. We okay. just do the processing of the raw grains. Ah, okay. Um, but but we work with family farms here in Texas. Mm. Uh, we work with um, a big one up north who grows uh, the majority of our grains, um, and they've been a huge blessing. You know, having the, the the acreage to grow the different varieties that we're looking to grow that we think will you know work better here in Texas um, has really helped us evolve. 
and develop new products. So hmm. working with the, the farmers here in Texas has been, you know, a real blessing. Wow. Um, and how many different farms are you guys working with? Um, so we've worked with, um, oh, I couldn't tell you the number off the top of my head, how many we've worked with. We work with one in particular that uh, grows a majority of our stuff. Mm. Um, the big thing about malting grains and just growing grains in general is we have uh, specific measurements that we need to meet in order for it to be a malting quality. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to end up with pretty inconsistent or bad products. And so yeah. um, working with this one farmer, they they grow a pretty consistent crop year in, year out. And we're really happy with it. Um, so being able to you know work with the farmers you know, face to face, be able to call them if we have an issue and stuff like that's been uh, really nice, you know, compared to, I mean, if we grew it ourselves, you know, that'd be one thing, but running a farm and running a mall house, just two different. I, I would think that's, yeah, that's a little different. I'm guessing. That's a lot to take on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I was looking at your website and I saw, you know, you've got this whole grain to glass, which I love because um, who doesn't love hearing grain to glass? Um, yeah, but I, I, could you take us through the process of say, okay, you've got this grain A, um, from whatever farmer mm-hmm. what do you guys do with it from there um it so, comes to comes to the the malt house what do you guys mm-hmm. do yeah so uh malting in a sense is a three-stage process mm-hmm. um it's gonna be you're gonna steep the grains you're gonna germinate the grains and then you're gonna kiln it and so that, those are the three main processes so with steeping the whole goal is to hydrate and clean the grain mm-hmm. and depending on what we're making be it Pilsner or Munich or, you know, if we're malting corn or wheat, you know, different varieties or, you know, flavor profiles we're going for, we'll try to hit a different moisture content. Mm -hmm. And so once we hit the moisture content that we're looking for, we then move it into the germination phase. And so how we used to do it is we would germinate on the floor, which means we would literally dump the grain on the floor and let it start sprouting. Yeah. Um, We would turn it over a couple times a day. Um, to release heat and, you know, uh, allow a more consistent germination. And what, what that's doing is it's actually allowing the seeds to grow, converting all the starches in the grain into sugars um, so that it can use it for energy to grow. Let me, so let once me, we've... Wait, let me, let me mm-hmm. just pause you there. Um, um, what, I, I've got a real quick question. Um, why is that yeah, moisture content so important? Um, so if you oversteep your grains, mm-hmm. you're actually going to you're basically drowning it. And so you're not going to get any germination out of it. And if you don't hit the required, you know, moisture content, you're not actually going to get any growth. And so you can hit the bare minimum and get a really slow germ, or you can go on the very high end Mm -hmm. and end up with, you know, only 90% of your your barley, for example, to actually germinate. Mm -hmm. And so we we found that there's this, you know, sweet spot in 40 to 45% that if we, if we can hit that moisture content, we get a really nice, um, vigorous germination and that's exactly what we're looking for and then one more question and and it i'm sorry i'm gonna i just i just want to make sure because i want to make sure if someone doesn't know what this is no feel explain free to off questions germination because i was i've so, i would i would hate for some guy to be listening to this or somebody to be listening to this yeah. and be like wait but what's germination mean <laughs> yeah no i totally get it yeah no feel free to, to ask off any questions man. awesome thank so you the, yeah, the germination process is actually um, the plant growing. It's starting to grow roots mm-hmm. and the endosperm in the actual barley kernel is starting to grow and, and mm. uh, pop out. And so um, basically during the process, every every morning I, I go and check the grain and I actually have to split it open and see how far along that endosperm growth is so I can record it for our logs 
mm-hmm. as, as well as determining if we've hit that sweet spot. Because if we didn't, if we didn't check that, it would grow into grass. You know, we're, yeah. we're essentially growing grass. Yeah. And, and so once we've, once we've determined that it's grown to a certain spot, all those carbs have been converted into sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, we then transferred into our kiln. And that's the, you know, that's the third step of the whole malting process. And so we apply, you know, heat at, you know, a specific fan speed for a certain amount of time to kind of wither it, to dehydrate it and kind of stop that germination. Yeah. And that's going to preserve a lot of the, um, you know, the sugars that are in the actual uh, malt. Because mm-hmm. until we put it in the kiln, it's technically still just a grain. Yeah. Um, but once once we kiln it, um, that's when it actually is turning into malt. And so that heat and time is mm-hmm. really what's going to develop those flavors and aromas and color in the actual malt itself. So that's a lot. That's really where the craft comes in is going to be in mm-hmm. the kilning process. Um, let me let me just pause you here. So the reason why that germination is so, so important, like you were saying, it converts those carbohydrates into sugar mm-hmm. so you're literally you, yeah. you know the the barley is a seed it's a little bit like it, it literally yeah. is a little tiny seed and it's saying mm-hmm. hey i want to grow so you add yeah. some water to it and you literally just you know dunk it spray it um i've heard mm-hmm. of methods of you know big large sprayers going over um yeah. or like how you guys do it with with literally dumping it in and just getting it all mm-hmm. soaking wet um taking mm-hmm. it out and letting the, the the seed think oh i've got to start to grow so then it takes all those carbohydrates, all those things that it was meant to use to make it start to grow and start to change into sugar, which is great mm-hmm. for us as people that like beer and distilled uh, spirits and drinks, because without that germination process, um, all those carbohydrates would stay in the the germ inside the the barley, the, the wheat, whatever you want, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it would give you nothing out when you go to make beer or make a mash. It would just be yeah. this really hard stuff that just kind of tasted sour. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, without good germ, we'd only have low ABV beers. So yeah, you need that germination to like get all those sugars out because when mm-hmm. you do dry it, it's literally taking all of that carbon, uh, all those sugars, um, and it literally just kind of like freezes it like uh, freezes the the seed in place. And yeah, exactly. That's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, it's it's taking the seed and going, hey, stop here. And then yeah. the more that you uh, and this is the art to it that you were talking about is like the more that you dry it out and the more that you heat it. Um, and this is where I, I was. I've, uh, I've oh man, I forgot the um, uh, SRM right mm-hmm. the the degree to which you char the grain yeah absolutely what does srm yeah, no, mean I, um i believe it's the standard reference method it's gotcha. kind of just the standard mm-hmm. um you know uh, color measurement for you know malt analysis i mean mm-hmm. I, I know there's other measurements out there but when we send our, our malt off for analysis mm-hmm. um, we always get it back in srm Gotcha. Gotcha. And so the lower the SRM, it's the lighter the char. And the higher Correct, the yeah, SRM, the higher the char. I, I don't know if, if, if char is the right word to it because, you know, we're not, we're not adding, you know, direct heat or anything like that mm-hmm. to it. it it's just it's just going to be darker in color. You're going okay. more from your, your, you know, your pales or not your pales, your, your really like pale goldens on, uh, on the lower end going mm-hmm. up to, your, you know, your, your darkers, more, more reds. 
once you start getting into like roasted and caramel malts, that's that's a, actually a totally different process um, than putting it in the kiln where it can be. Hmm. Um, and then and then, then then you might look and be looking at char and stuff like that. But um, gotcha. Yeah, just typically we're just doing air drying. So okay. Um, yeah, no char. So give us an example of like low SRM. You're you're saying like pale like pale malts mm-hmm. generally have a low SRM of like what about a six ten nine. Oh, uh, so pails. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be looking anywhere from like four to six. Okay. Um, typically our, our pale malts, we, we have it, uh, we've done it three to five, mm-hmm. 3.5 all the way up to, you know, 5.5. 5. And, so. and that, mm-hmm. and to give people a reference, like that's the color. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what to, how to put this. That's like kind of the color of how you think like, like, like if you stuck your hand in grain, that's kind of the color that people see on TV of grain, you know? Um, if you ever see like, uh, 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 you know, the wheat fields and all that, and they show like the pictures of grain in the, in a yeah. bucket or a bowl or whatever, like that's mm-hmm. kind of the, 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 the coloration that you're looking at. It doesn't look too far off from like a natural Brown. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's the highest you guys actually go to in SRM? Oh, oh man. So, uh, the highest that we've made, uh, was 12.7. It was a very dark Munich that we made. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and then, and that color would be like, uh, say, say if we're on our toaster setting and you go yeah. from like light toast where like the, the white part of the toast is like, ah, it's got a little brown on it. That's like your low end. I would, I would say if it goes up to 10, you're probably looking at a seven and a half, eight. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting, it's, it's, you're pretty, toasty. It's, yeah, it might be charred at that point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, it's, it's something I, 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 I love malt because I think it's kind of one of those under, like I think water is the most underappreciated ingredient in beer, but I think malt mm-hmm. is the next underappreciated ingredient in beer because they're, you know, the malt, water, malt, uh, yeast and hops all have their, like their, their, you know, they're all equally important to beer. You can't yeah, have beer I, without any one of those ingredients, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. And I think that people just kind of put malt off to the side of like, Oh yeah, yeah you know, you gotta add the, you gotta have malt and you know, put their grain bill together. Yeah. Um, but I think especially drinkers, um, hops are like the shining star right now. Hops and yeast, uh, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but without the malt, you got nothing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then you just, yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. I, th- I think I think hops are getting a lot of love right now. And I, I think they, they should, you know, it's really important. Mm-hmm. I love what's coming out right now. It's like all the double dry hopped and the New England, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, get, getting new flavors out. I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I do love me some just multi loggers. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of preference. I, I, I do, I do wish we were getting a little bit more love, but uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to get excited for another Pilsner, you know. <laughs> um, let me let me ask you this: um, What part of um, I'm gonna say a fun little one of my favorite like fancy schmancy words that really means so little but means a lot? Um, wh- how what how important is terroir to malt um i think it's really important and i think that it's just now coming to the forefront of malting communities mm-hmm. i mean i know typically everyone you know they want to brew german german lager so they're going to buy you know german malt yes well i think that german malt is going to taste a lot different than malt made here in Texas. The soil's made of different compositions. It's mm-hmm. going through different seasons and different conditions, which is going to produce, you know, different product. So even if we were to put the same 
killing regime that was done, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Germany for sake here in, in Texas, you know, you're going to end up with different products anyway. And I think that's, you know, true to any region here in the United States. And so I think what's really nice about, you know, coming up in this whole craft malt world is learning about the craft maltsters guild and learning about mm. all the different craft malt houses that are popping up you know in the carolinas in virginia mm. some in uh, california and you know when i went to the um craft malt con in um what was that city in colorado this past year you know the big topic was you know terroir and malt you're gonna taste it's pale malt made in california and pale malt made in texas is gonna taste completely different and, and so um, I think terroir has a huge story to tell mm-hmm. in in the future, and I think right now we're just on the forefront of you know what's kind of being done. Um, and I I think terroir in in in, in Maltford is going to be shown just a little bit more per se, mm. and maybe in your spirit side of things than mm. with your beers, just because with beers you're at, you know you're adding the yeast and the hops, which are totally going to change. Um, the flavor of the profile. I mean, with with uh, with the spirits, you're you're using you know malt yeah. malt and grain, and I, I really think that that terroir can really shine, um, you know, a little bit more through there. But I, I definitely think terroir is a, a huge story to play. Okay, and let me just define terroir real quick. Um, it is it's the ground where something is planted. What does that mm-hmm. effect have on what is being planted? Um, mm-hmm. You know, terroir gets a big name in, in wine because mm-hmm. the grapes, depending on, you could have one grape, um, you know, planted in a sandy soil and the same exact grape planted in a rocky soil and you will get two different tasting wines. Um, you can have the same grape, same soil, one gets more sun, one gets less sun, and you will have two different tasting wines. Um, terroir gets a huge, huge name in wine because, you know, um, and it, it plays into marketing as well because, you know, do you want a wine from, I'm just going to throw two different places out, Nevada or France? Um <laughs> If someone said, hey, we have yeah. some great, we have no, wine from Nevada, wine from France. Um, generally, you know, you're automatically going, well, I know France makes a lot of wine. I'm going to, you know, gener- that's generally what you would choose. But the idea that um, the grapes, the soil in France is so well adapted for growing grapes. Um, mm-hmm. And you can build up the terroir over time. And so that's why I wanted to ask about this because, you know, when I homebrew and um, you know, you look at all these different malts that are in the homebrew shop. It's, oh, it's so much fun. It's more fun to mm-hmm. me to pick out the malts than to pick out the hops because the hops, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's one place in California where I could open up the jar and you would pour out the hops into the little bag and you'd seal it. You could smell them. That was fun. But the grains, um, you could stick your head into this bucket of grain and give it a good smell and go like, oh, that's what my yeah. beer is going to taste like, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, so, I totally, yeah, totally yeah. get it. And so to 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 talk about terroir and malt because there definitely were malts from England, malts from Germany, malts from California, and um, you know a lot of people just go by the price, or if they're going to yeah. make like you said a German lager, you're going to use a German malt. But exactly. a malt made in Texas is going to have a very different soil composition than a malt made in Germany. Um, now mm-hmm. which one works best for your beer? It's great to experiment and find that out, you know, cause I would hate yeah, to like, I'd yeah. hate to like just yeah. say, because it's German, I'm going to use a German malt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I, I'm not trying to per se, you know, that Germans don't make great malt or anything. They make awesome. Oh malt. no, no, no. They're it's great. Just, yes. Yeah. 
oh, they've been doing it for hundreds of years. They yeah. gotta be doing something or something right. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 more it's more you know we're we don't want to make German malt. We're making Texas malt, and mm. so that's why we're using Texas grains. We're trying, to, like you kind of touched on earlier, it's it's the whole grain to glass movement. You know, mm. we're we want to we want to drink the the crops that are grown. You know, in my backyard. I mean, yeah. Who who wouldn't want that? And so I, uh, yeah, I think it just, it comes down to, you know, what, what you're looking for in your, uh, in your end product. And, and yeah. No, no, I totally get that. Um, let's see here. I'm looking at my, my fun little list of questions right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do you wish people knew about malt that generally like to say beer drinkers and home brewers? And I know I'm, I'm beer specific because I'm kind of a beer guy, but, uh, the same thing for like, you know, um, we don't have home distillers. I'm, I know there are, but we're not going to say that there are. And people that enjoy craft spirits and spirits in general, um, what do you wish they knew about malt? I would say probably just that there's more to it than just the word malt. You know, a lot of people <laughs> just have the idea that, you know, you put malt in a, in, in your beer or your spirit or, or whatever. But, mm. you know, there's more to it, you know, just the different flavor profiles, you know, your your pales, your Viennas, your Munichs, your Pilsners, your, your just base two row. Just there's just I just I don't know, just more to it. There's more depth to it. We're not just mm-hmm. making malt, you know, um, but, you know, I'd be surprised there's in the craft beer community and, you know, talking with the actual like home brewers and brewers I, you know it's pretty surprising you know how knowledge how much knowledge there actually is out there um it's it's more i would just say the average consumer you know it's just just know that there's more to it than just uh than just the word malt gotcha um what's your favorite varietal of malt um your question i'd probably have to go with um any kind of munich Mm. I really like the uh, kind of the really pronounced bready background, background uh, bone, and then just kind of that multi sweetness that underlies with it. And I think it makes a really uh, pretty color. Um, when I am drinking, I drink a lot of you know heavy German lagers, so Marzins, you know, alt beers. So, so the, this is that, your season, I, homie. You're like, give me the Marzins. Yeah, exactly. No, Throwing a Doppelbach, Holmes. That's why it's even harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love me some a Doppelbach. I would, I drink that the Flux Capacitor from um, Cowtown like all the time. Like gotcha. that was one of the beers that really just resonated with mm. with me. And so, um, yeah, I know it's totally my season. It's uh, I guess I'm a glutton for self punishment. I don't know, but. You know, I, I, I love loggers. Um, I, I think I, I love seeing those, like the evolution of a beer drinker. And the first thing you discover is like, of is like loggers, but it's like the lowest form of monkey, you know? And then it goes yeah. up to like, Oh, you learn about pale ales and you learn about IPAs and you're like pastry sour, sours, hazy. And then yeah. it comes back to like the, 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 you know, the, the, the homo sapien is back to loggers. <laughs> Loggers, yeah, absolutely. And I've met you, so you many experience it all, so you can really appreciate it. Yeah, you know? well, and I've met so many brewers. Like I have a buddy of mine in California. Um, that he is. Oh yes, Charlotte. My my daughter just came in.
Um, All right, everybody, I'm going to interject here. This is the point in time where my daughter came in and decided to tell me how clean the play area was. And while I'm very proud of her for making the play area very clean, um, she kind of interrupted the podcast. So we're just going to slip back right on into the podcast right about now. Okay. Here's here's a question that I've had um, that I want to talk to you specifically about. Mm-hmm. Um is what beer styles do you feel translate the malt the to shine the best? I think that lagers do a really good job, but what yeah. are beer styles that you're like, if you really want to get an idea of like this malt, get one of these types of beers? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're looking to really taste uh, a really nice, clean, you know, Pilsner malt, you're going to want to drink either like a Pilsner or a Kolsch, mm-hmm. you know, something really, really light. Um, if you're trying to taste, I mean, you're, you're going to get a pretty good two rows, just, you know, bready malt pretty flavor. It's pretty basic, basic. So you're going to, you're going to get a little bit of that in, in everything. If you're looking, you know, for pale malts, um, pale ales as, as lame as that sounds, maybe not one that's a uh, like super hoppy, mm-hmm. um, you know, our Vienna, our Vienna malts, maybe in like an alt beer or a Mexican lager or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I so. forgot that 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 Mexican lagers use um, depending on the malt, like that they because they 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 definitely have their own like specific state taste and style. Um, yeah, and I forget how like malty some of them can be. Um, oh yeah, especially the ones that that tend to lean towards more on like the uh, the red or the the darker side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those those are those are what I what I really like the. Uh... I'm gonna shout them out again, but Cowtown Brewing, their Good Night Vienna. I mean, that that's a, a stellar example mm. of that. Yeah, no, uh, Cowtown, uh, they definitely t- of what I've seen, they tend to lean toward the lager side of the family. You know. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yes. They make they make some high quality German lagers. Yeah. Not, not not to say their other beer is, isn't you know good. It's just their their lagers just they they resonate with me. I might be a little biased just because I work there. But... <laughs> Um, no, I, I really appreciate that and appreciate just someone doing something beyond the, the haze. Um, because I, I feel like there's a lot of that out there right now. Um, and not to say that like people that make hazy beers don't make good lagers because I mean, I'm drinking Stario Bros right now and it, man, that is hidden. Um, but, um, I love that they, that there you can find more than just one lager, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I do, I do. Yeah, um, and I was looking at your guys's portfolio. You guys work with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, we we try to. Um, you know, that's that's the whole name of the game. Is uh, you know, we're uh, we're relatively, I want to say, relatively new. We've been, you know, this will be the sixth year that uh, we've been operating, and mm-hmm. so we're we're just trying to get our malt into as many people's hands as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started off, you know, just here in Texas, here in uh, North Texas. We worked our way south to Austin and mm-hmm. Houston and San Antonio. Um, and, you know, we we're starting to make sales out in uh, New Mexico and Louisiana. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're slowly uh, creeping out of Texas and, you know, hitting the south, southwest, a little bit of the south mm-hmm. or southeast and a little bit of the southwest. So um, really exciting times. It's, it's, it's great to be able to work with so many different people, too, mm-hmm. uh, just because you, you get to hear different people's you know philosophies on brewing or what they're looking for in their malt and you know how to how to tailor make it to what they're trying to get out of it yeah 
Um, so, you know, being able to you know talk with all these different craftsmen from all over the state with all their different experiences, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty fruitful. You get to, you get to pick up on a lot of different things. So, and it's, it's crazy how much knowledge, um, wants to be passed on. It's not mm. very, you know, tr trade secrets, you know, are, are there, but, you know, simple processes to, you know, make a cleaner brew or, you know, prevent spillover or, or whatnot, just like little mm -hmm. things like that. It's, it's pretty awesome uh, to see that transfer and being able to, you know, since we work with distilleries and breweries kind of bridge that gap. If, uh, you know, if a brewery is looking for barrels for, you know, a barrel age project, you know, a lot of, a lot of the guys we work with, they, you know, they hit me up and, you know, we have contacts. And so it's, mm. it's been, it's been really nice to kind of build those relationships uh, within the, you know, the whole community like that. So it's been, it's it's mm. it's it's awesome being able to work with not just breweries but also distilleries and and stuff like that. You know, I never even thought about that because you guys are talking to so many different varieties of of places that use malt that you wouldn't be yeah. to like this great little central hub of like, hey, who has that uh the new barrel that just came out or blah 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 or you know, mm -hmm. um, you guys would would be a really good center point for all of them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I see on here Blackland. I actually uh, talked to them um, for the the podcast a little while ago. They're making some amazing bourbons out there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and yeah, uh, no, Ezra, Ezra and Marcus are great guys. Yeah, yeah. I talked to to Marcus. Um, we had a little Pepperdine connection, and uh, yeah, it was nice. really such a great time to talk to him. Um, when you are talking, I'll put it this way. Uh, what are the different needs between someone who is going to be distilling focused and someone who's going to be brewing focused? Because I even saw on your website you had a malt that was specifically for distillers. Yeah, so um, the the main difference is you know what they're trying to get out of the malt. You know, with brewers, you're you're doing you know most of the time you're doing 100% malt mm -hmm. and you know maybe a little bit of raw wheat or or whatnot in it. You know, throw it in there. But with distillers. So the majority of their uh, grain bill is um, raw grains. Mm -hmm. And so in order to convert those raw grains, um, all those car like carbohydrates and starches in those raw grains, you need enzymes in order to break it down to produce the sugar, the fermentable sugars uh, to make their spirits. And so mm -hmm. um, our distiller's malt, you know, we do a very... Um, we try to keep the enzyme activity in the malt relatively high. So we're not putting a lot of color or a lot of heat on it um, in, order, in order to preserve them so that our malt can then be used to break down the raw grains in their mash. Um, while with brewers, you know, we're, we're, they're looking for flavor and aroma and color. Mm. So, um, I mean, not, not to say distillers aren't also looking for that, but the, the main difference between, you know, a brewer's malt and a distiller's malt is you're going to be looking at the enzymes. Um, that's really important to distillers. Explain the enzymes. What do you mean? Um, so, uh, so in the, the, the malt, it's the grain has enzymes, uh, innately just within it. So you're looking mm -hmm. at your, your alpha amylase and your beta glucan, beta gluconase. And during the whole malting process, uh, those enzymes are breaking down the carbohydrates into sugar, mm -hmm. um, during the germination process. And so when we add the heat to it, we kind of, you know, we stop that whole process and mm -hmm. preserve the sugars. Um, well with the, um, distillers they're not really looking for the sugars in the malt they're getting all of that um from the raw grains so they they need those enzymes that are in the malt to then once it's in the mash uh kind of break everything down in there hmm. so some some distilleries use um both malt and they'll add you know exogenous enzymes to help speed along that process hmm. or you know some distilleries will just use our distillers malt to do that hmm. 
And that helps out, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because the distiller's malt, um, when, and, and let me just break this down real quick. You've, you both make a mash. A mash is like a big grain tea. You take the grains, mm-hmm. you put it into hot water, which is called hot liquor. Um, and I've, I've learned this. Don't make that mistake at a brew house to call it hot water. It is called hot liquor. You have the hot liquor that goes in, you steep the grains, and then you have that, that comes out. And that is now a nice big, you know, um, you know, for brewers, it's the wart. Um, but, um, that little steep grain part, that part where all the water and the grain are together, um, that uh that's the part that you're talking about with adding or like having a yeah. having a mm-hmm. a uh a grain that has those enzymes in it to help break it down yeah exactly so during the mashing process is when those uh, enzymes are really going to be active um to kind of you know break all the the raw grains down into fermentable sugars uh for you know the yeast once they have that gotcha gotcha and uh general as well brewers have yeast that generally has a low tolerance to alcohol whereas distillers use yeast that has like a very high tolerance to alcohol because you don't really care you do but you don't care how it tastes like um (laughs) after the yeast is added as a distillery because you're going to be distilling it whereas a brewery Mm -hmm. you really want it to taste good after that yeast is added in or oh you know after you put that yeast in you want a good tasting product after that yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah Yeah. Um, man, this, I'm just so excited. I could talk to you literally all night, but I want to be respectful. I'm looking at my (laughs) questions right now. Um, (laughs) um, if you're, if you're talking to a home brewer, um, what would be, if a home brewer is listening to this right now, what would be the malt that you're like, look, man, you've got to try this malt or try doing something with this. Um, I would say that our wildfire pale is probably the most accessible um, to our home brewers out mm-hmm. there. Um, we actually sell our our, uh, our malt to um, two different places here in in, um, in the state. We work with uh, Soco Homebrew down in Austin mm-hmm. and uh, Brewhound up here in North Texas. And mm-hmm. um, our wildfire pale is you know you're not going to find anything at anything like it out there hmm. if you're looking for like a, a a pale malt that's a little bit richer a little bit uh more depth in your flavor hmm. while adding you know that that same that same awesome pale color um i i think our wildfire pale is um one of the best out there right now wow. so that that's what i i would say if you're a home brewer and you're looking to kind of step up or add a little bit more uh flavor to maybe your, your pale ales or you're looking for a really fantastic pale malt that's uh that's kind of the direction i would point you in gotcha um Okay, uh, just uh, just a couple more, and this is one that I feel like I've 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 talked about this type of beer, but I'm I haven't talked to someone about the malts themselves. Smoked malts. Mm-hmm. You guys do smoke yeah. smoke. You guys smoke malts. Um, yeah. Explain that process because I I'm on record many times saying I cannot stand smoked beers. I will always mm-hmm. try them, um, but I cannot stand them. I just they, they taste like liquid like gouda and barbecue sauce yeah Yeah, which which i like i get some people love them it's just not me i will try them every single time but Mm -hmm. i i don't like them but explain that process when someone says it's a there's a smoked malt in there what does that mean yeah um so the way that we smoke our malt is you know um 
once the malt's been, you know, finished, gone through the whole process, um, it's finished kilning, it's been cleaned. Mm -hmm. um, we have a little uh, setup that I use and, you know, we figure out, uh, we talk with, you know, the customer, depending if they want our Pilsner, our Turo, our Pale Malt, you know, depending mm -hmm. on what variety they want. And then we talk to them about wood. Um, and then we, you know, we have a process that we use to kind of uh, smoke the malt as we, uh, you know, over an hour we do cold smoking. Mm. Um, so you're not getting a lot of that, you know, uh, residual ash and, you know, mm. soot that, you know, lands on the grain. So you're, you're getting a lot of that kind of, you know, actual smoky flavor. And I feel like, um, well, and so, and so once we do that uh, for a set amount of time, depending on the smoke profile they want, you know, we uh, turn it off, uh, vent it out with just clean air and then bag it up for them. Um, and we try to do that, uh, you know, as fresh as possible because, I think personally, just from smoking a bunch of different batches, um, the longer you sit on your smoked malt, the more acidic it, it really tastes mm. in the finished product. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm always a proponent of, you know, fresher smoked malt if you can get it. Gotcha. I, I was just thinking, I think would be a fun combination. I'd be, I would want, uh, like, I don't know if I could try this out myself, but to make a creek, which is like a cherry beer. Um, and add mm -hmm. a, like a touch of smoked cherry wood to it, uh, cherry yeah. wood malt. That would be kind of fun. I could see that being kind of fun. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I gotta agree with you with with smoked beers. Um, you know, it's hard to find one that I, you know I can really sit down and drink a couple of. Mm -hmm. um, but man, when when someone does it right, you know, it it, it can really hit. So yes. I, I think I think playing with smoked malt is uh, is dangerous. You know, it's really easy to overdo it. It's something that I'd rather have a finished beer where I could be like, okay, I wish I had a little bit more smoke rather than, you know, this is, this yeah. is too much. Um, do you know who actually made uh, the, the smoked beer that I've liked the most was um, Maple Branch. Um, they have a smoked, yeah, they've got a smoked ale that I was like, okay, like I still don't like smoked beers, but I liked this one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I haven't made it I made it out there yet, but uh, definitely they're on my list. Oh, dude, they're right down the street, literally right on the block from Blackland. Oh, yeah. And yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm I'm that whole area is when we when uh, timestamp this a little bit. We're recording this in like mid almost mid January of 2021. <laughs> and we're still under all the fun COVID stuff. So as soon as yeah. my wife and I, are, I feel more comfortable to go out to like have a date. I'm mm -hmm. so excited to head back out that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I've been kind of following them uh, as they've been, you know, posting photos online and their beer garden looks awesome. Oh, it's uh, really wanna... cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a, it is a really cool place. And I, I love what those two are doing and the, the environment that they're making um, for the DFW beer community. Like, I think they're just, I think they're going to do really good. Well, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, man, this has been so much fun. Um, I've had just a blast just chatting your ear off about malt. Um, <laughs> I know that is the most like yeah. beer nerd thing to say, but, um, no, I, it's, it's, I totally relate, man. So I'm, I'm a beer nerd myself. I could talk about this stuff all night. I love it. I love it. Um, so you're, you know, text malt. Um, I kind of give the last couple of minutes to the guest. Um, is there anything you would want to promote? Anything that you're like, hey, you know, check this out. Check these people out. Check this place out, please. Uh, the mic is um, yours. If there's anybody, any way you want them to find you on social media or anything like that, um, mic is yours. 
Yeah. So uh, basically you can check us out at, you know, techsmalt.com or, you know, Instagram at techsmalt. Those are going to be your best ways to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say if you're a home brewer listening, you know, uh, go check our malts out at uh, Soco Homebrew and at Brewhound. And, you know, if you're a brewer distiller, you know, interested in using craft local malts, you know, uh, please give us a shout out. You know, we'd, we'd love to work with you and, you know, talk to you about Terroir of Texas. That's that's our whole stick. We want to see uh, more Texas breweries and distillers using Texas grains. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, it's best for the state. So Awesome. Awesome. Man, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on this. I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to just chat and have a, uh, well, you not having a beer, but to talk about malt <laughs> while I drink a beer. Uh, I might be yeah, opening no up worries. the second one in a little bit, actually. So, yeah. all right, man. Nick, thank you, man. I really appreciate you. All right, man. Yeah, no, I, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been a blast. Awesome. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers.